You're listening to iOS Dev Break. 15 minutes of current events, tips, and advice for iOS developers, including, but not limited to, discussions of Swift, iOS, watchOS, and tvOS. What's up, everyone? It's really great to be talking to all of you again, in spite of the circumstances we are all living in right now. Uh, just uh, wanted to express my uh, feelings that I hope that everybody is doing well uh, despite the coronavirus pandemic that's still going on. I know it's uh, impacted many of us, and uh, so hopefully we're coping well with this. And uh, it's really interesting to see how Apple has been adapting as well. We'll talk about that in just a little bit. The uh, first thing I'd like to talk about this week, so we only got 15 minutes together, is uh, with regard to um, sort of what I've been talking about at the beginning of the episode, that the uh, Indie Support Weeks technically have ended with John Sindel, but I just wanted to put a shout out there that even though that lasted two weeks, the whole coronavirus pandemic, I mean, it's been going on for months now. And if you still would like to support indie developers, and if you would still like to support indie developers, then uh, I will put the link to in the show notes to the site. It's basically github.com forward slash John Sundell forward slash indie support weeks, all one word. Um, so anyway, if you want to support some some good developers, then go to that site. And uh, you won't see me in the top list. Unfortunately, I missed the cutoff time. But uh, maybe I'll catch the next one as it comes around. Uh, of course, now that we've been sheltering in place, many of us uh, hopefully staying safe and healthy. Um, one of the things that we've been of course, missing out on is conferences. And uh, I've been able to participate in a few that have been handled remotely. And it's been really great um, not participating from like the speaker standpoint. I'm still not doing much of that now. But uh, the two conferences that I really enjoyed attending were UIConf, which I only got to do a little bit because of the time difference. And then also uh, Try Swift World. And, and that for me was the the just the best experience because uh, you were in a um, a workshop environment for you know, about two hours with a really good instructor, and you're there with maybe 10 other people, plus or minus. And uh, so it, it really worked out well. Got to learn some um, new things such as uh, SwiftUI, Combine, and uh, even there was one on CloudKit. And so it's super awesome learning environment, very interactive, and uh, you could just... If you need a question, you just go ahead and speak up and ask your question and get help. So uh, really looking forward to that. And the great news is that TriSwift World is going to start up again after WWDC. So if you go to their site, it's basically, it's just triswift.co forward slash world. And you'll be able to see that you can register for the WWDC social hour. And then also there's a little notice that that says we'll be back after WWDC. And you can enter your email and uh, get some updates on that. And uh, let's see. I think I have some noise in the background. I apologize for that. Uh, We've got some video games going on. It's all a consequence of this, uh, the quarantine. So, uh, but at least adds to a lively environment. Um, 
the uh, next thing uh, I'd like to mention, this is, it's not necessarily old news, I guess. It's actually just maybe in the last couple weeks here. Uh, Paul Hudson has a new book, and it's called Understanding Swift. And this looks really, really interesting because it's completely different than what he has worked on before. It, it To me, it reminds me of his natural Swift work. Um, but uh, there on his site, Paul says that he describes it by saying, this book is different from my others that show you how to build stuff with Swift because this one is trying to answer many of the why questions learners have. Why are there why are tuples different from structs? Why do copies of a class share data? Why would you want a failable initializer? So, good questions. You probably all already know the answer to those, but if you don't, it's or if you would just want to know more information, uh, then you can check out his book. Uh, he continues by saying, you might look at some of the questions and think they're easy, but every one of them was drawn from questions I've been asked by folks completing the 100 days of Swift and Swift UI book, uh, books. Uh, this book tries to bring them into, into one place so folks hit fewer problems and feel more encouraged. So um, excellent motivation for that. Uh, great learning resource. So I encourage you to check it out. And that's on hackingwithswift.com. So you can just do a search and you'll you'll find it there. Understanding Swift by Paul Hudson. Uh, the other thing that I wanted to talk about, uh, I think we have probably have a little time for this. Yeah, um, this is something that I've been wanting to talk about for a very very long time, and it's been impacting me lately um, because it it definitely is part of my workflow. And I remember I think there was podcast a little while ago. I think it was under the radar. And in one of those episodes, uh, Marco and uh, Dave, Marco Arment and Dave Smith, David Smith, uh, aka underscore, um, they talk about uh, whether or not they draw or just, you know, use pen and paper draw or whether they go ahead and just dive into code. And both of them, I think, as I recall, are, are pretty much dive into Xcode and start draw uh, and start coding out solutions and building and testing out uh, prototypes. And that is a great way of doing it. And uh, kudos to them for being able to do that. But I just wanted to present sort of the other side. I, ha I do that on occasion. Um, in fact, maybe, maybe more often than not. But there are certain times when I have a, a particular problem or um, maybe there's a UI issue or an architecture thing. And then for me, uh, I very often like to just grab my little clipboard that has some blank eight and a half by 11 paper and uh, grab one of my favorite pens, which is uh, one of those flare felt tip pens, uh, and then start sketching out diagrams or just uh, UI drawings. And for me, getting the the visual representation of what it is that I'm trying to accomplish, whether it's a logic flow or uh, maybe a class diagram, some, something like that, sequence diagram. If you're if you remember the UML things, my I, I don't do anything formal. It's more like just get something on paper so I can see it. And uh, for me, the way that I work and the way that I uh, approach problems is much more of a visual kind of, uh, kind of way of solving things. So what I find, especially when I'm really blocked on something, if I'm just going through code and just not figuring it out, the problem, then sometimes just dragging that, that uh, uh, clipboard over and start starting to sketch it out 
really helps. And uh, another alternative is to use something like Linea or um, any any kind of note taking or um, you know any kind of drawing app that you might have on your iPad. Uh, I like I have an iPad Pro, and so I'll, I'll use that as well. I tend to prefer the paper just because of the way that it feels. Um, I don't know. That's just me. But I ha- am trying to use the iPad more for that kind of thing just so I can have it have those sketches with me all the time. Um, the reason I just wanted to bring this up, because it, having listened to that other podcast and hearing a very sort of one, very one-sided approach to this, uh, I just thought I would share my approach and just in case listeners out there were thinking oh i'm doing it wrong if i'm drawing uh or if i if i prefer pen and paper or if i really like to take my ipad and draw a a little diagram or a sketch you're not doing it wrong all of those approaches are right some people work better just diving into the code solving the problem that way and then others uh like myself I tend to work a little better just sketching something out um, and in varying levels of detail. If you saw my sketches, you would probably not think they were sketches. They're just basically chicken scratch with some boxes. And um, But uh, at least for my mental process, that definitely works better. So anyway, I just thought I'd bring that out there as a productivity tip. And so maybe it's something you could try. If, you ever, if you're ever blocked and you just want to get something get past a problem, try that. Go ahead and take out pen and paper or pencil, whatever you prefer, and just use some scratch paper, not formal, just draw down your uh, your workflow or uh, the problem you're trying to, to attack and see if it works for you. Maybe it does. Maybe it'll help things out. For me, very often what happens is once I get that on the paper, the problem becomes evident and uh, the way to solve it and or the way to build the particular thing becomes very clear so that's why i I like to use it so that's that's sort of the main productivity tip for today another thing that i wanted to mention is that uh another problem that we have in that's it's kind of like it's universally accepted that naming things is hard and one of the things that that uh we all have to do it sometimes is name our app or name our company and um I just wanted to mention that there was a really interesting book that uh, came out. I actually ended up on a web, on a webinar that that was promoting this particular book. The webinar was not so great, but the the book and the concepts behind it were a lot of fun, and it made me think, oh, that's a really interesting process. So um, there is a book entitled The Naming Book, and it's by Brad Flowers, who is the co-founder of Bullhorn. And it, that particular book is all about naming products and companies and things. And, um, and it brings out that there's like, they highlight five steps to creating brand and product names that sell. So um, whether or not that actually works or not, but I don't know. It, it just sounded like, it, it, to me, it felt like a really good way to at least approach it and uh, to research new names and come up with names that would be effective. So uh, the naming book, that's sort of my pick for the week. Um, it's by Brad Flowers, and you can, I'm sure you can get it on uh, on Amazon. Um, otherwise, just Google that, and you'll, I'm sure you'll find it. I'll, I'll try to dig up a, a link to it and put it in the show notes. Okay, so we have just a few more minutes, and so uh, what's on everybody's mind, of course, is WWDC. And um, 
we've we've seen that uh, Apple is going to be approaching this in a very different way this year. It's going to be all virtual, all online, all, all streaming. And the big news that just came out today is that the Apple developer app, which up until today had only been on iPhone and iPad, has been released on Mac. And so you can find that. I'll put the link in the show notes, but you can find that on the App Store or just search for Apple Developer in the Mac App Store and you'll find it and you can download it and you'll be able to see uh, the um, the WWDC highlights. Uh, they have a little schedule already listed that talks about the, uh, the special keynote, uh, special event keynote, platform state of the union, uh, all new developer forums, engineering sessions, developer labs, and the Swift Student Challenge. And they give some dates there for some of these things and others they don't. Um, And the title of it is Full Stream Ahead, and that's all in the WWDC section of uh, the the Apple developer app. So all of that's very exciting, and uh, it looks like you can view videos and search for uh, past WWDCs going back to WWDC 2014, and which is great. So there's a lot of relevant information there. Of course, 2014 is important year for us because that's when Swift was released. So being able to search back to then is a really excellent baseline. And uh, of course, there's also categories that are listed for the various uh, presentations. Uh, things like uh, design, frameworks, graphics and games, media, developer tools, um, app store and distribution. And then there's subtopics there listed too. So uh, hopefully you will find lots of information there that you will enjoy. In fact, there's in under developer tools, they have Xcode, Swift, testing, performance, interface builder, debugging, compiler, and LLVM, lots of things. Um, and then tons more underneath the other subjects. So hopefully you'll find that interesting and useful. And uh, I've heard that some folks are having some problems with it because, I mean, basically it's a 1.0, right? It's, I don't know if this is the catalyst version of the uh, the iPad. I suspect not. But um, So they may have just rushed and thrown this together. But uh, I haven't had much time to explore it other than just download it and look at, look at the, the first page here. It nose around just a little bit. But hopefully it will be updated and improved over time. So that is all that we have for this week. Thank you so much for listening. And at that, I will catch you on the flip side on iOS Dev Break. Thank you for listening to iOS Dev Break with your host, Evan K. Stone. If you would like to learn more information about the podcast or read the show notes, or if you would like to hear more episodes, go to iosdevbreak.com. You can also find various other ways of supporting the show there, so we encourage you to check it out. You can also follow and tweet feedback and questions to the show on Twitter at iosdevbreak, and please spread the word. We'd really appreciate it. If you would also like to support the show in a monetary way, please go to patreon.com forward slash iosdevbreak, and there you can find out how to help us out just for a dollar a month. If you are interested in sponsoring a future episode, please send an email to sponsor at iosdevbreak.com. Thank you again for listening to iOS Dev Break, and until next week, we will catch you on the flip side. iOS Dev Break is a production of Interactive Logic. Thank you.